There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grumbacher, and we've got an awesome show for you coming up. This week, Centauri and I were joined by Heidi Janenga, the co-founder and president of WebPT. We had a great conversation that covered her experience of founding and growing WebPT over the past 10 years, the importance that culture has played in her company, and how they go about reinforcing it through their core values, to the coming announcement of their goal of raising $1 million to help in disaster relief efforts, to her advice to potential entrepreneurs, and finally, some talk about spirit animals. And as of this recording, we are still yet to learn what Centauri, what he thinks his spirit animal is. So if anybody listening has thoughts on that, please feel free to chime in. You can find out more about Heidi and WebPT at webpt.com, as well as some other locations that are listed in the show notes. And I definitely encourage you to check it out. Thanks, as always, for listening. Remember to tell a friend if you like the show. Leave us a review. Feel free to share us on social media. That's enough about that. Let's go. Well, let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grumbacher. Joining me as always is Centauri Miner. Hello, folks. Helping us move from awareness to action today is Heidi Janenga, the co-founder and president of WebPT. Welcome, Heidi. Thank you so much. It's awesome to be here. Excited to, uh, to be here at your awesome offices here in Phoenix. Centauri, when you think about innovation, what what comes to mind for you? Innovation. Um, let's see. So there's a book called Friction, which maybe you've read, Heidi, which is about removing the friction from things. So Uber removed the friction of having to uh, for before with you get, to get a cab, you'd have to call someone, you'd have to wait, you didn't know if they were going to show up. They removed the middleman, right? And so when I think of innovation, I think of companies or individuals that figure out a way to efficiently do something and remove the friction for their end users. Okay, nice. That's a pretty well thought out answer. Boom, for once. <laughs> One more thing. Do you uh, consider yourself to be minty? <laughs> um, as part <laughs> of uh, their, their core values, WebPT's core values, yes. I, I, I think my personality is very minty most of the time. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I would agree with that, too. Thank you both. Yes, you yeah. would fit right in. <laughs> you know Centauri pretty well, and so Heidi says that, yeah, you're, you're a pretty minty guy. I love that. Be minty. That's good. Well, fair enough. Heidi, it's been almost 10 years, right? That's right. Since we launched uh, WebPT, we are eager to celebrate our 10-year anniversary, but there's still a whole quarter to go before we get there, but we are... Anticipating a, a grand 10-year anniversary next year in 2018. Wow. Well, congratulations. Awesome. Thank you. So I, 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 perhaps you do a lot of introspection. You look backwards. You're always looking forwards, I'm sure. But looking back over the last 10 years, if you had to go and do it again, would you do it again? <laughs> well, it's when you do look back, it's like it, it feels like it's a blink, been a blink of an eye. Like right. 10 years has gone by so fast. Um, I've learned so much, evolved as a person professionally and personally. Um, absolutely, I would do it again. Would I do things maybe a few things a little differently? Sure. I mean, it's, that's, that's what happens when you look backwards. But um, 100% no regrets. 
um, and so proud of, of what we've been able to accomplish in 10 years. In hindsight, what would be some of those things that you'd probably pivot a little bit or, or change? So when we first started, I mean, we uh, focused, so we looked at the market and we knew that 60% um, of the market was small business and the other 40% was you know, large enterprise groups and then the medium size. Um, I don't, we didn't look far enough ahead or think far enough ahead at the moment. I think we opportunistically saw that that 60% was our target audience um, and the runway was you know, great in there. And so when we built our platform, we didn't really think about sort of the, the scalability of moving into an enterprise sort of level. So we focused very strongly on mm -hmm. small business, which has very different needs in terms of functionality and you know, roll up and um, hierarchy and all of those types of things. So if I would go back and do it different, I mean, and that's only in hindsight because, you know, I know what I know now. Um, I would I would definitely have built a platform a little bit more scalable from the very beginning, thinking farther ahead. But, you know, that's so easy to say in hindsight because in the moment you're, you're building to what you need and we had so much traction and our growth was so fast. It was, we could barely keep up with, right. you know, what we were actually trying to accomplish and meeting the needs of our customers at the time. So, I mean, it's really easy to say now. Uh, I think the other thing would just be to um, take the time to sort of celebrate some of the, the smaller wins. We were uh -huh. always great on celebrating the big wins like the milestones that we had set for ourselves and we you know definitely know how to throw a good party um but i think just even as founders to not just immediately get your nose back onto the grindstone to just take a step back smell the roses if you will because uh, it does go by so fast and you just you don't realize what you've accomplished um, when things are moving so quickly man i i agree but do you think he would have taken that advice? You know what? Past Heidi, just 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 take a couple of days, really enjoy this. You're like, I think I'm gonna keep driving. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, again, it's in hindsight, right? And um, if I would do it again, I would do those things, yeah. right? And so, yeah, I mean, it's if I didn't know what I know now, would I do those things? Probably not. Right. But if I decided to, once you know, WebPT is done, if you know, I dip my toe back into that that world of startup, I, I would definitely do those things. Mm -hmm. Do you sure. still have, I'm just curious, do you still have employees from the first, probably not first day, but like the first iteration or round of WebPT oh, yeah. that are still around? Wow. Yeah, we have, uh, I believe we still have three of the first 10 employees. Wow, wow, That wow. we, we uh, started out with. Um, that's almost that's 20%, one of, I'm sorry. to <laughs> <laughs> be exact. Um, yeah, so we are, that's one thing we're super proud of. I mean, it's, our biggest asset, as you know, yeah. in most companies, is, is the people. Um, and from the very start, that's been something that we've uh, put a lot of stock in is, is getting the right people on the bus. And uh, so, and, you know, that's, that's, it is really good to, to think about that because, you know, companies transition. I mean, we're a very, very different company than we were when we started in the back of that coffee shop, you know, 10 years ago. Or, yeah, 11 years ago. Right. So um, for someone to be able to scale through the different phases of a company is, is pretty unique. So it's, just, it's awesome for them. And those folks have built careers here, right? They didn't, they're obviously not in the same position that they started in sure. 10 years ago. Um, most, all of them were entry level and now are in either leadership positions or definitely, you know, team leads, that kind of thing.
There's a really famous book and series of books now called the E-Myth. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all, um, but fundamentally it's that it's the entrepreneurial myth. So just because somebody's really good at something does not mean that they should be a business owner. So mm-hmm. you started out, um, and maybe I'm, I'm incorrect in this, but you were a practicing physical therapist that identified something in, in, in the market that needed it. So you went from the practice of physical therapy to starting a company, and now you are a tech company president. How did, how, how did that happen? <laughs> I guess my, maybe a better question is, and what I'm curious about is, what do you do better or what, what do you think you do really well to help you to do those do these things? There's a few things, and this is, you know, one of the things over the last few years that as, you know, I've evolved as a leader to take a step back and introspectively think about what are you really good at? Um, and there's a few things. So one thing uh, is that my spirit animal is that I'm a chameleon. Mm. So I am able to sort of transition, evolve, fit in, um, learn very quickly and be able to absorb in whatever environment I'm in uh, pretty quickly. Uh, And I think, you know, the um, scalability of me being able to go from a physical therapist, which I mean, I was a clinic director, so I had full penal responsibilities. I had, you know, 50 employees. Um, you know, we were one of the largest physical therapy uh, organizations within the company that or the larger corporate organization I was in. Um, we were one of the most successful. So, I mean, it wasn't like I was in a mom and pop sort right. of clinic, then all of a sudden I'm, you know, president of a 300 company organization. But I will say that first year of transition from, you know, going from a physical therapy world, which is complete, was completely my identity, to hopping into software, which was very foreign to me. I wouldn't even consider myself very tech savvy at that point in time. Right. I'm not even sure if I would consider myself tech savvy today. <laughs> even today. <laughs> Definitely much more than then. Um, but making that transition was a, a, a very traumatic you know, year of trying to figure out, oh my gosh, what are my skills that are transferable? And once I recognized that all of those skills that I had developed over my career as a physical therapist and, you know, director, business person were immediately transferable. So in the people skills, in the soft skills, right, in the HR knowledge that I had, um, you know, just how to manage your, your teams, how to create and hire the right people or create an environment that was awesome for, for people that they wanted to come to work every day. Um, those were all things that I had already done, right? So just w- the learning curve was on the, the nomenclature, the language, mm-hmm. the different types of employees that you need, um, how to build software, right? But I also came in as a subject matter expert. So my all of my expertise that I had learned over the 15-year career, right, was what I was trying to actually put into a computer, and make it logically come out the other end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, I mean, everything of who I was is still part of who I am today. I've just now added on, and I like to think about it as actually expanding my comfort zone. So, you know, I think we all have our, our comfort zones that we like to live in, right? And you don't grow unless you step out of that box or continue to expand and push that into a larger and larger space. Um, and that's really what, what's actually happened over the last 10 years. 
um, with gaining knowledge, but also just I'm I still consider myself on the scale of what most people think entrepreneurs are, uh, a little bit more on the risk averse end of that. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say that, you know, I'm a spontaneous sort of jump off the cliff person. I'm going to look over and I'm going to assess what's down there. Um, and I'm going to look at a lot of things and then when it feels right, I'll jump, mm -hmm. right? Versus the, what typically people think of, oh, they just look over or they may not even look, they just jump. We just do it. Right? So, I mean, I, I think the definition of entrepreneur is, is vast, but I just think like, you know, the, the traditional super risk taker, you know, uh, forward thinker, uh, spontaneous type of person. Um, yeah, I don't want to consider myself that um, per se, but I know that I've gotten more uh, comfortable in being able to do more, making quick decisions, um, you know, being a little less risk averse over time. When you were going through um when you're going through that tra transition, did you have a, a coach or a group of folks? We had uh, Michael Seaver on a couple of uh, a couple of episodes ago, and he's a professional coach. And so, when you were saying that you were going out of your comfort zone from being a physical therapist to now a entrepreneur, um, tech entrepreneur, did you have anyone guiding you through the process, or did you just kind of do it? Yeah, I mean, so the the tech landscape and ecosystem is very, very different than it is today mm. 10 years ago. Right. There weren't really a whole lot of these groups that are there today. I was just speaking at a, a women's uh, conference for women who start up last night, and they were saying that there's over 300 women's support groups for entrepreneurs right now just in the Valley. Oh, wow. Wow. And <laughs> back then, I mean, maybe there were, but I just didn't know where to find them. And it, they were, you know, they were scattered all over, and it was very disparate, where now we have some density happening. But, um, you know... I founded the company with uh, my ex-husband, and you know we found solace in each other, right? And we are sort of very uh, different and off the opposite ends of the spectrum, which is actually good because we, we tended to balance each other out in terms of decision making and and seeing or the perspective that you were seeing things from. So that worked out really well. And then we had brought on a, a CEO um, in 2010 who kind of rounded out the, the, the balance of the three of us, we call this the trifecta, uh, which worked out really well in terms of, you know, having three different diverse uh, perspectives um, and, and having very collaborative decision-making at that point. Um, so, and then, you know, just your, your closer friends that you need to vent to um, and cry on their shoulders when, <laughs> when things just don't seem like they're going right or you, you're, you're pulling your hair out of why did I make this decision or am I making the right decision? Um, you know, uh, it, so I wouldn't say there's any specific mentor, um, but I do recommend, I, I mean, that's again, one of those things I probably look back on. I wish I would have sought out somebody more, uh, you know, fervently to do that because uh, I think it's really important to, to, do, to have people that you can actually, um, you know, have those important conversations with that may not be your spouse. Did um, anyone, while you were doing this, just say, this is a crazy idea, you shouldn't do it? Uh, no, we never got, you shouldn't do it. What we got more of was, your market size is too small, why are you staying so niche? Mm. Um, you need to think bigger. Mm. Uh, when, we, you know, when we looked at the market, it was a $6 billion market 
I mean, that's a lot of zeros in my book. Uh, and I think that was one of the biggest, actually, best decisions that we ever made was to smile and nod and say, yeah, that's a, that's a good idea, but we're going to stick with what we're really good at and sort of what our core competency is. Um, and now, you know, everybody's kind of going niche. That's like the thing that's to the do, thing. right? <laughs> Interesting. Do you know what your spirit animal is, Centauri? I knew that was coming. Um, <laughs> I'll know by the end of this show. Okay. I, I, will, I, I feel like Centauri that. might be my spirit animal. Uh, well, that's good. <laughs> I'm, that's, I'm inspirational my, that way. Yeah, my spirit animal is Centauri Minor. I will, I'm writing that down. I'm, I'm on YouTube. Yeah, please, please. Um, all right, so adaptability. I think that that's – and we're, we're going to get into what your um, what the core values of WebPT are here in a minute. But what's what's the area that you feel like you need to, to sharpen up or get better at? Mm. Uh, so I have not worried about that so much. What we focus on here at WPT is knowing what your strengths are versus worrying about what you're not so good at. Mm -hmm. Um, because you can surround yourself with people that are good at that. It's identifying what you aren't good at is, is important, right? And being able to be vulnerable and say that I'm not as good at this or I don't like this part of my job or, you know, job description of things that I'm supposed to do. Uh, so I hate to flip that and not answer the question, no, not at all. but, um, that's really one of the, the, the big pushes that we're, we're really looking at right now is how do you polish what you're really great at and continue to nurture that? Because most of the time people, when they're good at something, they like doing that they want to do more of it, right? Versus... The, the trudging through, oh my gosh, okay, I have, I have to, to do, do this, this yeah. right? Uh, and so, I mean, if I have to identify some things... Um, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Good. That's a stupid question, Centauri. I, 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 why did I come I, up I, with I that, I don't know right? why you asked that stupid question. <laughs> no, but I think, I think too much, I think, you know, to be serious about it, like people spend a lot of time worrying about what they're not good at. Mm. And I mean, sometimes it's like polishing a turd, you know right. what I mean? Like it just it gets a little bit better, but at the end of the day, did you really love figuring that out and trying to be better at it? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Why not spend the time on developing, developing the things that you're great Doing at? Doing stuff That's up great. boss map. Yeah. It's a pretty long list, so <laughs> could spend all day doing that. Um, well, you have incredible insight for how important it is, how hard it is to have um, your core competencies or your, your your vision and did you implement that immediately as as, mm. as you were growing or when you were in the thick of it did you say you know what we really need to plug this in so from the very very beginning we did have a vision and we had a purpose to what we were doing Um, And I think that's really important to be able to bring in the right people and be able to sell people on that vision. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, from the beginning, we wanted to create a community around what we were building, right? So uh, a community of therapists, because that was our niche market. Uh, Whether you were a a member, well, we, we call our customers members, so being part of the community. So whether you were using our software or not using our software, you could still be part of our community. Um, our employees are part of our community. Um, you know, those are where we're located and those around us were part of our community. We started in the back of a coffee shop and the, like 
we still keep in contact with the landlord of the coffee shop, and he's been a huge supporter and fan of ours. Do you know what I mean? Like, nice. it's not just a lease that you sign kind of thing. So it's relationship building. Um, and so in order to, to, to get people, especially in a startup, right, you, you never can pay people what they're worth mm -hmm. when you first start out. And so being able to not only create an environment that they want to come to, but also have them get behind and truly believe in your purpose and vision is extremely important. I think the culture of a company, I mean, that's we attribute a lot a lot of our success to our culture. Um, initially, sort of is born out of the founders. It's your own core values. It's your own ways of doing things and how you set the office up and, you know, what your expectations are for your employees, that kind of thing. And so that was, you know, initially was just kind of born out of us mm -hmm. um, and passed on through osmosis and the people, you know, that you bring into the organization who have those same qualities that you want to see. Some of those were, you know, very much about being having a servant's heart, um, putting full stock in customer service and putting the customer first, listening to the customer and what their needs were, um, you know, pushing towards excellence and not perfection. Uh, and so we looked for that and people that understood and, and, and also people very entrepreneurial, willing to wear lots of hats uh, and put in the effort that it was going to take to move us forward. So those are the things we looked for initially. After the first, you know, two years, so we launched the company in 2008. In 2010, we took our first round of funding in. We took a million dollars in from a, a local um, uh, private equity group here in town called Canal Partners, led by Jim Armstrong of JD Software. And one of the first things we did was to hire resources. So within that next six months, and at that time, I think we had 15 employees. So within that next six months, we'd hired almost 30 people, so oh. almost tripling the size of our organization, so way more people than we had even had in the company for the first two years. And we felt this culture shift uh, in terms of, we didn't really have an orientation process, we didn't really have a whole lot of processes to be, to be honest with you. Sure. Um, but the, the thing about having hiring someone, sitting them next to you and just kind of figuring out how, what things, how, what's the lay of the land, how do things go, wasn't scaling. So. Uh, we felt that, and we knew how important the culture was, so we ended up hiring a, a culture captain who was part of our, at that time, non-existent HR team, but we kind of created this culture captain role whose job was really to help to articulate what are what is the company about, like what is the core values, and um, at that point we didn't even have core values, but we, we knew that there was something that needed to be translated in, in getting people onboarded into our company. And so uh, every year we had this sort of ritual at New Year's that we would sit down with the entire company. So we had like a company stand up and we would talk about what did we do really well last year? What, do we, what are our goals for this year? Kind of a mini strategic planning session. And this particular year we also asked who do we want to be as a company? What do we want to be known for? What do we stand for? What types of people do we want in this organization? And we filled up a giant whiteboard uh, full of words that came out of their mouths. Um, and that's what could distill down to our core values. Mm. So it wasn't that, you know, as founders, we said, oh, these are going to be the core values of the company, right? It was really out of the mouth of those 50 first employees that, you know, what the environment that they wanted to create and who they wanted to be known or what they wanted to be known for, uh, which I think is pretty awesome in terms of, you know, the buy-in and this, this is, you know, 
the type of environment that they wanted to work in. And so what I also think is super cool is those words back in 2010 have been scalable through today, even at 300 employees. Um, and so we have some really great ones. It's not your, I mean, we've translated them a little bit into more traditional language, but at the end of the day, the real language behind it is 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 who we are as an organization, and there's some passionate words in there, as, as you guys can see. Um, and uh, everybody kind of zones in on our accountability uh, core value, which is, I don't know if you can cuss on this show. You can but say F whatever you want. F up, own up. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, that... It, everybody says, oh my gosh, you have the word fuck in your core values. Like, what? Who does that? We do. Mm -hmm. um, fucking ain't right, we do. <laughs> the best answer. Right. And, and it's, I mean, it's not about offending or trying to, you know, make right. a bold statement. It was really just about showing the passion around who and, and, and feeling so strongly about the fact that we knew p mistakes are going to happen and we wanted to make sure that we, we knew that, or we wanted people to know that it was okay to fail, mm. right? Innovation doesn't happen when you are risk averse or you're afraid to fail. Uh, and so being a, you know, fledgling startup company and now even even more so now that, you know, we have close to 40% market share and we've got a lot of competitors on our heels, we have to continue to innovate. And so, um, you know, having people that are willing to take risks um, and, you know, not be afraid to fail, to try new things and... Um, is what's going to allow us to continue to have the success that we're, we've enjoyed for the last 10 years. Which one resonates with you, Centauri? I'm just thinking, just so our listeners, uh, we have this right in front of us, but they have eight team commitments, which are um, service, so create raving fans, accountability, fuck up, own up, uh, attitude, possess true grit, personality, be minty, work ethic, be rock solid, community outreach, give back, resource resource efficiency, do mas with menos, so do less with, or more with less, and then health and wellness, live better. So the one for me probably is, I've been so impressed with the community outreach and how much WebPT is out there, especially um, as you guys work to uh, help education in the community. So I think that's the one that resonates with me. And just knowing a lot of your employees also, that's clearly instilled in them because they're out, they're on boards, they're volunteering, they're very much showing that WebPT does actually care about the, the, the community that it's in. So that's what I like the most. Well, thank you for saying that, Centauri, because I think that, you know, you can have words up on a wall, you can have, you know, a piece of paper that tells you what your core values are, but if your people aren't living it mm -hmm. and, you know, embracing it every single day, then they're just a bunch of words. Um, and one thing I think that we've done really well in terms of being able to define our culture is we've woven in this language throughout everything that we do, from when you read a WebPT job description to, you know, our culture cruise, which is our orientation process, um, through the management team and how they're actually interacting. We use these words in our, you know, stand-ups today. Um, our performance reviews are based on these eight core values, so you see them very clearly outlined along with, you know, very specific metrics to your job position, things like that. But um, it, it's not just words on a wall. I mean, we these are our guiding principles, um, and we really like to, to talk about it as such, and it's like the bumper system within our organization that, yes, we have a policies and procedures manual because we have to, um, but at the end of the day, if you're following the core values and, and living by these in day in and day out and, and um, how you do things, 
then we don't have to continue to micromanage the pop policy procedures manual, right? We don't have to continue to add to that already, you know, 100-page book that we, we have to have. Um, and, you know, if you're, when you're making decisions, if you are going by these, you're probably going to make the same decision in whatever role you're, you're mm -hmm. in that I would make in that, that you know, um, that position. So, um, yeah, they've, they've served us very, very well, and I, I think that, um, you know, every employee will, will be able to at least articulate what they are and, and kind of how that affects them on a day-to-day -day, day -day basis. Awesome. <clears throat> From my experience with organizational leadership, it always starts at the top. If you're really curious how an organization is really functioning, I think you should look right at, at the leader of the organization, and it oftentimes will trickle all the way down. Um, so culture, I think that everybody would like to have great culture, right? It's probably not too many companies that say, I really would prefer to have a shitty culture to a great one. And we've been talking about sometimes it's just lip service, sometimes it's just words on a wall. Um, one thing that, that I, get, I, I get a kick out of sometimes is you walk into some companies and they have a ping pong table or some kind of a gaming table, but it sits, it sits empty and nobody ever plays it. But I told Centauri on the way up, there was somebody playing ping pong here at nine o'clock in the morning. So, <laughs> so people actually play ping pong here. But do you have advice that you would give to a company that is maybe trying to find their way with, with, with culture? the longest question yeah, I, you've ever I, been asked. No, it's okay, because um, we get asked this a lot, and, and culture is not about the ping pong table and the snacks that you offer for free, <laughs> right? It's not, that's not what the culture of the company is. It's a part of the culture, for sure, um, but it's not what defines the culture. The, the culture really is defined by, like you said, are your leaders actually following your core values as well? Do you, do you, are, are, are these just words on a wall, or is this something that is completely um, how you, you know, run your business? Um, and for, and I'm, I'm a big believer in, yes, it has to be, yes, the, the, the executive team and the management has to embrace this, but you also have to have from the bottom up as well, people truly believing. And they do when they see, you know, leadership, this is what their expectations are. It, it's definitely kind of pushes and trickles down. Um, but, you know, one of the things that, uh, you know, it, and when you think about leadership, you have to apply these values when you're hiring. So we just hired a CEO last October, a new CEO to the organization. Um, and as you can imagine, that's a, a huge decision for any organization to go through. Um, and especially as you know, a founder um, bringing in a new CEO or a president of the company, now you've got a compadre that you, you're going to be side by side with making decisions for the organization. So. Um, and, you know, not to mention the fact in 2014 we, bought, we brought in a venture capital firm to uh, financially um, uh, partner with us to continue to grow our business as we, you know, move towards our $100 million goal. Um, and that, that was a huge decision as well. But we've used these core values in every large decision of the organization and it served us extremely well. Um, when we partnered with Battery Ventures, we had long conversations about culture, right, and the fact that they would be willing to support it. I mean, we have a budget, you know, and if we didn't, it's it's a it's a healthy budget, right? And if we didn't spend that money, well, where that where would that money go? Directly to the bottom line. But when you have you know an organization like Battery who understands the the value. That that is about your people, right? And the, and how the culture drives that in instilling, you know, 
great work ethic and, and retention and how, how much all of that costs mm. um, is really, really important. And then to bring in, you know, your CEO, the prime leader uh, operationally of a company, they also have to completely embrace that. Right. And we have been very, very happy, um, you know, with Nancy Ham who, who joined us in October. Um, not to mention that I'll just put a plug in for uh, double women leadership, president and CEO <laughs> of our organization, as well as our managing partner at Battery Ventures is also a female, Chelsea Stoner. So shout wow. out to her as well. So we are the trifecta of uh, badass ladies running this organization, which, you know, I'm also not, I'm also going to say is part of our success, right? You look at the stats um, of, you know, diversity within organizations and women-led board, or, or boards that have, you know, a higher percentage of women are the most successful organizations, uh, hands down. So uh, we're super proud of that and, you know, definitely part of our community building and giving back and, and being inspirational to others that, that want to follow in our path. Nice. Why is that? Why do you think that, that the women-run boards are more successful? Uh, well, first of all, with a diverse board, right? You, you get a lot more uh, experiential input, right? You have diverse backgrounds that people come from. And For sure. I'm a big proponent of cognitive diversity and not just your traditional d- diversity of, you know, race, gender, and all those types of things. Um, it's, it's all about background and your experiences um, that you bring to the table and perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more diverse of a perspective you can get, the better outcome of the decision that is going to be most comprehensive and um, most likely, most accepted by more, right? So, so having that diversity of thought. Yes. Perfect. Yes. Absolutely. Did you? Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you is kind of uh, just from being someone that um, sees you out in the community a lot, and then um, also in professionally, talk a little bit about work-life balance and how you do that as a CEO with a CEO with a, a school-aged daughter. Yes. So I have a beautiful six-year-old. Um, First grader this year. Nice. Yeah, big deal. <laughs> oh, my land. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Centauri, uh, I, obviously, as, as a woman, I get that question a lot because we, we, we tend to be the ones that, that everybody thinks has to balance. The balance word goes out the window for me. I don't, there's just, it doesn't happen. I think it's a long term balance. Mm. Um, mm. J- just because there's, you know, there's, there's weeks at a time where, you know, I feel like I, I don't get the time that I want um, to spend with her. Or there's the time that I just feel completely overwhelmed at work because I'm trying to balance that I, I know that I need a certain amount of time that I want to be with my daughter. Um, and then the other thing is it's, it's the thing that I've learned the most. And I used to struggle with this a lot when she was a newborn or during the first couple of years of, you know, balancing the startup life with being a new mom is is all about um, quality versus quantity. And so when I get home, there's no electronics, phone goes off. It's all about me and Ava, right? And it's it's our world and or her world, I should say. <laughs> I'm just visiting. <laughs> And, uh, you know, whether it's cooking dinner together and having meal and doing homework and then getting to bed and all of that, like, it's our time together. 
where it's full eye contact and it's conversation and it's play and it's all of those things. It's reading, it's nurturing, it's, it's all those things that you are connected to uh, them with. Um, and it's tough. It's very tough, but, and it's not every single day that I'm able to do that. But when I, I'm committed to, to making the most of the, the time when I, when I am spending with her. Um, so, and you got to feel okay with that, right? Because I love what I do, and I know I'm making such a big impact on a lot of people with the time that I'm spending in community and the time that I'm spending here in the office. Um, and so it's, it's, and I know that I'm, I'm making an impact on her and, and being the best mom that I can be. Um, and that's, at the end of the day, what I'm striving to do with everything, I guess. Got to find the right rhythm. You know, yeah. I, 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 I threw out the term balance a while ago. It's got to find the right rhythm to yeah. life. Yeah. So. Like right now, it's just a, it's a crazy time. It's trade show season. There's a lot of, it feels like there's PR things that we're doing like this and others like every single day. And so, you know, like this morning, I wasn't able to take her to school because we needed to schedule this at a certain time, which I'm totally fine with. Um, but part of my rhythm is taking her to school almost every day. And so to disrupt that sometimes is you could be feel guilty about that, but I mean, I don't. I'm going to take her to school tomorrow. She'll be just as happy. Right. You know what I mean? So um, it's really just kind of just figuring it out and, and, and being okay with it, right? Not the, I think especially as women, we, we tend to listen to our, um, our negative thoughts a little bit too much sometimes. Um, and it just be, it can become diminishing to your confidence and to um, your overall persona, uh, and sort of getting rid of that and stopping looking at the rearview mirror and just kind of keeping going forward. And I think is is really a better way to to feel more calm and comfortable and confident, I guess, in, in everything that you're doing. Great, thank you. Yeah, self talk and negativity will will not help. No, typically speaking. That's a groundbreaking statement I just made. So, um, your 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 community outreach. You have a, a campaign going on right now for disaster relief. Yes, we are excited to announce. We're actually launching the campaign next week, so uh, you guys are getting you know uh, riveting, groundbreaking information. We, we got there. the scoop. You've got the scoop. Uh, so. We have decided, we've had a lot of our, our members of our, our WebPT community affected by this. Um, and we're talking Hurricane Irma. I mean, obviously, Maria is coming right down the pike, right behind it. So we'll see what happens with round three, I guess, mm -hmm. with Irma in Texas. So, and then also, actually, the, the wildfires. I think we're so consumed with what's happening, the hurricanes. I mean, there's still raging fires going on in the Northwest. We've had some people. We have our user, our uh, Ascend conference next, next week in uh, Washington, D.C., and we've had a couple of our folks not be able to come or cancel because they're they're very fearful about what's happening uh, with the fires. They're encroaching on potentially their clinics or their homes, and oh. so um, you know we can't forget about that going on. Uh, and so we've even had some of our employees here who've recently moved from Texas, Houston area actually, um, and so, so some immediate impact to our WebPT family. Uh, and so absorbing all of that and seeing what's happening, we wanted to step up in true Wepity fashion, go big or go home. Um, and we are on the quest by our true anniversary date of February 2018. Um, we are going to raise a million dollars 
uh, towards um, disaster relief. And so we're dispersing that to, you know, Texas, Florida, and then also the, the wildfire states affected and, you know, Montana and Oregon, potentially Washington. So, um, yeah, so we'll be launching, launching a lot more info, a big campaign starting next week, and then definitely at our, our big user conference. That's awesome. So we'll be looking to, you know, have you guys contribute to that campaign once it's uh, once it's going. But I appreciate the the ability to, to make the shout out here on the on the show. Heidi, what would you say to a uh, an entrepreneur or a CEO actually that says they just don't have the dollars for community outreach? How do you show the value or importance of that? Obviously, it's very important to you. So, what would you say to a, a fellow CEO? Uh, well, well, first of all. Um, I guess two things. One, if you're really talking philanthropy, right, it's not just about dollars giving, right? right? So it's time spent. We do a ton of volunteer work with local organizations where our people actually just go out and do things, right? So it's not just about money. So we kicked this off when we first started WebPT because we had a yellow lab um, and it was our dog. That part of the reason we're in the warehouse district is we wanted to bring our dog to work every day, right? So... Um, we started out with Desert Labrador Retriever Rescue, um, which we still support today, but that was kind of, we went and cleaned dog, you know, cages and volunteered at some of their events and things like that. So we, it, we didn't have money back then. So it's not always about the financial support so much. Um, and we actually try to limit the amount of fundraising things that we do internally for always having a handout for our employees to give. Like we try not to do that. Um, but, you know, in cases like this, with the disaster relief, like, it is about, you know, funds. And we've gotten to a point now where we are able to, to do some of that. Um, but, I, you know, more than that, it's, it's, to me, about sort of the framework that we've built our company on, um, which is now called a thing. It's called Conscious Capitalism, um, which uh, I was introduced to at an Inc. 500 conference about three years ago. Um, and one of the pillars of conscious capitalism is about uh, community integration and how important that is, of, of standing for something truly with it, but your company truly stands for something um, that's bigger than yourself, right? It's not, we're no longer just an EMR electronic medical record platform, right? We, we, have, we are WebPT, um, which stands for much more than that, which includes sort of our community outreach. Uh, and it's about your rising tides, right? I mean, we've enjoyed success and we have a lot of vendors. We have the city of Phoenix, the warehouse district, the startup world, women in tech, like all of these people are part of our community. And, and you know, when, when we're, you're doing well, why not inspire others and help others so that they're able to rise as well? Um, and so that's really kind of how we think about it. Um, profit is, is a power of good. Um, much to the chagrin of what you hear in news, um, it can be used for, for great things, and, and that's what we're on a quest to do. Mm. Awesome. Well, the theme of the show is awareness to action, so really appreciate you sharing your story and some of the best practices that you have. So your advice to somebody who is considering an entrepreneurial endeavor. Uh well, geez, that's an open-ended question. In three question. words or less. <laughs> <laughs> um, find your purpose. Find your vision, first and foremost. Be able to articulate that very well. 
Um, if you if you're in order to truly become an entrepreneur, you have to be able to sell your idea to somebody and have somebody want to buy it. Right. So don't just be an inventor. Be a, a true entrepreneur. Um, involve your community. I think um, you know. Reach out to people. Ask for help. Um, the entrepreneurial community is so generous. If you just ask, if you don't ask, you can't get it. Um, bootstrap for as long as you can until you can't, really, because uh, you know the value of your company is so important. The valuation and the, the ownership of your company, I think, is so important. Uh, and until you truly are able to generate revenue and be able to see some sort of trending that's happening and opportunity with your company, there's there's really no way to put a value on your companies. And I think too often people want to give up too much of their company too soon. Um, know your know your customers. Listen to your customers. Don't think that you have to have all the answers. They really are the ones that have the answers. Mm. Uh, to you know, they're the ones going to potentially buy your product. So listen to them. Never stop listening to them. Which are probably some of the, the main things. And advice to uh, to a woman who is looking to start a business that would be different than a man. Or is there? I don't stop, think stop there being is. Sexist yeah. Yes. Just stop it. Yeah, I don't think there really is one. Um, I would uh, I would say that. I was surprised to hear, not surprised and not surprised, I guess, to hear that there's 300, you know, female-specific groups. I would say that while those are awesome and I think they're important, to to not limit yourself by only going to women's events, I think that it's important to, you know, see diversify and and you know uh, understand the lay of the land which you may you, you're getting one perspective I think through through going to only women's group so diversify your portfolio um, and get out of your comfort zone you know push it every single day because um, if you're if you're not growing you're dying right isn't that what they say so yeah those would probably be my my biggest things for women and um, believe in yourself Truly believe in yourself that um, you can do this. And there's, you know, women hold a lot of power in terms of, you know, who is in control of the dollars in this country. That's women. You think about healthcare. Eighty percent of decisions that are made in a household around healthcare are made by women. Um, purchasing power is all about women. I wore a shirt yesterday that said, "The future is female." Um, and I'm a big believer in that. We just need to harness that power and be able to translate it into, you know, being taking more ownership um, into things that we do. Awesome. Where can people, if they said this is awesome, I'd like to learn more about Heidi, where would you direct them? Uh, well, you can go to my Twitter feed. It's at Heidi Janango. Um, you can go to our website, webpt.com. You can learn a lot more about our company. We post a lot about our culture. We have a great blog um, on our, our website that, uh, you know, we're pumping out all kinds of information on the rehab therapy space as well as company culture and all that kind of uh, great stuff. 
Um, I would encourage you to go to ConsciousCapitalismAZ.org to learn more about that, um, how to build truly great conscious companies. Um, I'm actually on the board of the Arizona chapter, and um, uh, the national chapter um, has some great conferences coming up as well. Um, so those are probably some, some great resources for folks. Awesome. What have we forgotten to talk about, Centauri? Answered all my questions. Thank you, Heidi. Did you figure out the spirit animal thing? I have not figured out the okay. spirit oh, animal. Okay. I'll come back to you guys at some point later. Yeah, but <laughs> we'll expect that. Heidi, anything else that you'd like to share? No, thank you so much for this opportunity. It's been great to chat with you guys, and uh, congratulations. This is, I heard, the 48th episode, so is, that's is, uh, quite is. a milestone, so congratulations. Yeah, well, thank you so much. I think we definitely appreciate you being on. Uh, if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show. Feel free to share us on social media. And as always, keep questioning because the struggle is real.